And welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. We got Jim Marty here from uh, cold and snowy Colorado today. Larry, how's things up in Chicago? Jim, nice to speak with you as always. Uh, well, today's one of those rare days when I can say I'm sitting here in Chicago suburbs in lovely 50 degree sunshine. Excellent. And we're lucky to have a, a guest today on the phone. We have Bruce. And uh, Bruce, help me pronounce your last name so I don't mess it up. It's Perlo Wynn. Very good. Well, very nice to have you, Mr. Perlowin. And you have a very interesting uh, hemp company, and we're here to talk about hemp today. Um, if you want to tell us a little bit about your background and how you landed to where you are today in the hemp business. How far back do you want me to go? <laughs> in the 70s and 80s, I was the largest marijuana smoker in West Coast history, and the uh, media dubbed me the king of pot. There's articles, the king of pot. And I used to smuggle boats, loads of marijuana from Colombia, mostly a little bit from Thailand, uh, underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Prior to that, I grew up in Florida, which was coming in. When it got too crazy there with the cocaine cowboys, I moved my organization to California, where it was still peaceful, and, did the, and not, just knocked it out of the ballpark. Um, it did really good. All right. For being the king of pot, I got to spend nine years in federal prison. Uh, it wasn't too bad because I was in co-ed prisons with men and women actually together. I walked around holding hands with my girlfriend. And um, uh, it was the last two co-ed prisons in America. They don't have them anymore. I got five college degrees, read 100 books a year. Um, it was sort of cool. You know, um, got in great physical condition, got out, started a few businesses and then I had a, a, a friend of mine, Don Steinberg, who was the largest marijuana smuggler in U.S. history. We were working together. We did phone cards. We did an international callback company. And then he had a company called Club Vivanet. I joined him at Club Vivanet. And he said, and then I did this documentary on CNBC. And, I, and the, that night it aired, 23 million people watched it and it instantly became the number one watch show in CNBC history. So, and they aired it about 350 times over and over again. So we got all these phone calls and all this action. And we said, well, why don't we just change our name from Club Vivanet to Medical Marijuana Inc. or Marijuana Inc. and get back into the industry. We don't want to touch the herb because, you know, they'll, they'll bust us, you know, for sure. You know, we would be targets. So we started Medical Marijuana Inc., which initials are MJNA, and it became the third, we became the first publicly traded company in the marijuana sector. So we started this whole movement of pot stocks and i'm really proud of that because you have so many pot you know marijuana uh, and cannabis and hemp pot stocks now they call them the pot stocks um that that's a force to be reckoned with i mean we go to the shows we advertise i mean it's a real big economic boon okay so and somewhere around about 10 years ago i sold medical marijuana ink to michael lamas and started hemp ink and so for 10 years i've been hemp ink and We've got a pretty big footprint around America, largest hemp processing facility in the Western Hemisphere in North Carolina. 
which does industrial hemp. That was before CBDs was even a name. Uh, you know, anyone knew about it. And um, then we did, did a, bit, a big giant grow up in Oregon last year or the year before. Um, we're doing an eco village called Veteran Village Kins Community in Arizona, which is where I'm focused now because we teach veterans how to grow hemp and make money. And of course, now it turned out to be the perfect place in the world because it's out in the, you know, 4,500 acres in the middle of the desert with and sun and fresh air and gardening and, you know, don't have to worry about, so, you know, social distancing um, because we have a thing called the Hempathon which all the growers come in, they grow one acre. Well, if you're growing an acre in the middle of the desert for this contest called the Hempathon, you're 200 feet away from your closest guy, right? And so there's, so that's that's the exciting thing that we're doing now. And we do pre-rolls. We, we launched the King of Hemp pre-roll, and that will be featuring all the old smugglers of yesteryear. All right, starting with the King of Pot, the next one is Billy Hayes from the Midnight Express, the Movement Express, then, you know, all the all the guys, you know, smugglers from 30, 40 years ago, they'll be featured on the King of Hemp line um, because I want to make them royalties. They're the guys I grew up with. They're the guys I like. And they're my peer group. So that's some of what we're doing. And, and so that's how I made the transition from medical marijuana or marijuana into hemp. Now, when you when you made that transition, though, that was 10 years ago. So hemp, I mean, like you say, CBD hadn't even been talked about yet. Um, as far as I can recall from 10 years ago, nobody was even talking about hemp. What what was it that you saw in hemp at that time that, that brought you over to it? Well, the initial thought, and, and this came full circle recently, was I looked at hemp, the 25,000 uses of hemp that you can do. I said, you know something, hemp plastics, and that was my initial brain uh, thought. Hemp plastics is just hemp plastics alone is bigger than all of medical marijuana and marijuana put together and think of, you know, everybody knows the disaster that we've created on this planet with plastics. If we can make biodegradable hemp plastic, that would be great. So that was my thinking, you know, 25,000, just one out of that. And then there's hemp biofuel, there's hemp clothing, there's hemp creep, you know, there's hemp everything. So it was more exciting. You know, marijuana, I'm a big proponent that marijuana should be legal across the board. Of course, I was. I grew up in the 60s. I smuggled it. But there's I'm more passionate about hemp because hemp, you can do so many things from building. You can grow your your, your you can grow your house in your backyard, literally. And we'll be building hemp creed houses out on an eco village. So that, that that's why I did it. There's more versatility. I was bored with uh, marijuana because I already did that. Been there once, you know. And this is new horizon. This is being a pioneer, a visionary. Uh, I can do all that with 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 all the hemp products that you can make. Wow. Okay. You know, and, and let me add one thing to that. Recently, about two months ago, we did supply from our plant in North Carolina uh, a whole semi of. Um, of ground up hemp and canaf, the two of them, to a company that's making hemp plastic pellets in South Carolina. And I finally fulfilled that vision of being part of the supply chain of making hemp plastics. And in fact, we just uh, last week sent them another, you know, because they closed um, they closed the plant in North Carolina. They closed all the businesses. So the day, Monday, Monday at five o'clock. So Monday, we sent out two semi-loads. One went to, you know, this uh, commercial product that we make for the oil industry. And the other one went to South Carolina uh, to make hemp pellets. And then the pellets go and make hemp plastics. Very interesting. Yes, I have a, no I have a number of questions. Um, fascinating story. 
So um, I guess I'll start because we're in the middle of the Covaris-19 pandemic. Our clients have been able to keep open. Uh, most of the retail stores, adult use of medical across the country have been able to stay open during this pandemic. But talking about your social distancing, our cultivators are working very hard keeping their product going so that three or four weeks from now we'll have inventory for the retail. Um, and they're doing social distancing. Like you mentioned, it's almost a natural in a cultivation. If you have 50 or 100,000 square feet of cultivation, uh, your cultivators have no problem social distancing, wearing gloves, wearing masks. Very interesting. Yeah, we do that anyways. Um, like in our pre-rolls, if you, you, know, you can go on my Facebook page and scroll down. I do a one-minute video of everything we're doing. And you'll see um, you know, that everyone wears masks. And the whole industry, we all wear masks. We all wear gloves. I mean, that's part of being compliant in all of our growing. Hemp grows whether there's a coronavirus there or not. It's out in the sunshine. Um, the social distancing thing is is great. We have a we're opening up I forgot, we're opening up a store in Kingman, Arizona called the King of Hemp Store, and we're going to have hemp clothing, everything hemp, not just CBD. But I mean, I'm getting 16 pallets of hemp clothing delivered to to my house in Vegas, and when we finish the store and open it officially, um, we'll have that there with everything imaginable hemp. But we have a we bought the old Wells Fargo building. We have a drive-through window. So for at least for us, it's not an issue. With other dispensaries, they have delivery services, and um, and 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 I believe that hemp and marijuana, or all cannabis, that's called cannabis because it's that covers both of them, um, is an essential. That is an essential. People are using this for their health. They're using for, I mean, so many health claims and health realities. And I've read a lot of the studies that we are an essential medical. Um, situation they closed down in las vegas because i'm in arizona 90 miles from vegas so i'm real close uh everything except the liquor stores and the dispensaries because they're considered essential businesses well i don't know about alcohol but certainly cannabis is i'm finding this conversation very interesting both larry and i have a lot of experience with uh, cbd uh, oil and cultivation and extraction for cbd products uh, he's got a great lawyer at his firm who's an expert in hemp called, uh, his name is David Bush, and I work with him quite a bit. Uh, as a CPA, we have dozens of hemp farmers here in Colorado. We have a, a great environment for growing outdoors because of our ele elevation <clears throat> and number of days of sunshine that we get, and the fact that hemp doesn't need a whole lot of water to uh, cultivate. Yeah, hemp is, you know, of all the crops out there, and especially under these conditions, I think hemp is going to emerge as, you know, it has been emerging as, you know, as the new hot crop. But this is going to, I believe, accelerate the a couple of things. It's going to definitely accelerate our industry because right? people are going to use it for medicinal growing. it As you just said, it's out in the field. Nobody's got to get close to each other. But also the, the, the use of CBDs and CBGs, that's going to be the hot one this year. You'll see a ton of CBGs. And if you're on an opioid and you take CBGs, now I don't want to make any medical claims, but this is personal experience because I'm pretty old. I'm 70, 69, almost 70. I have degenerative disc disease, so I take a, uh, a new sentence called. Okay, it's a very strong opiate, but it's the least addictive. I took two CBG pills. It works exactly like Nucenta does, except it only takes 15 minutes under the tongue instead of 45 minutes going through the digestive tract. 
we are incredible. We are on the verge of, and that's just two, CBD and CBG. What about CBNs? What about CBCs? We're at the beginning of an entire new wave. And I personally expect, no medical claims, I expect somebody somewhere in the world to research and find that one of these cannabinoids helps with the coronavirus. I don't, I haven't seen it yet. Well, actually, I've seen three studies that allude to that. Right. But more and more studies. Come on. We have 150 cannabinoids that nobody really knows what they do in full. I guarantee you one of those is going to help this coronavirus big time and someone's going to discover it. And our industry is going to explode. I agree. Bruce, it's funny that you say that because I've I've been running around and using that more as a humorous tagline. Although I just my own opinion, I'm convinced that, you know, cannabis, whether it's hemp or marijuana, is going to help us fight off the coronavirus. And everybody looks at me like I'm from outer space. So, you know, unfortunately, I don't have anything to come back and prove it to it with. But I'm, I'm happy to hear uh, that there's another like-minded person out there who comes to the table with a few more credentials than I uh, who feels the same way. Because you're right. Given everything that cannabis fights, I find it hard to believe that there's not something in there that could be effective on some level in fighting this virus. Yeah. And when you say three, I, I saw three studies, you know, that pe- people text me and email me and IM me and everything about the industry. And, and I read, a, you know, 99% of it. There's been three studies, and I forget what the studies are. All I know and remember thinking is, okay, if there's three, there's going to be more, and there's going to be more, and it's going to be, and then someone's going to discover something. I mean, for, I mean, for the 150 cannabinoids, what about the 300 terpenes? You know, we don't know what they all do. You know, I mean, they say, they say put lemon in your in the water and drink the lemon all the time, and, you know, to, to wash the virus into your stomach or gastric juice will kill it. Well, what's lemonine? It's a terpene. So who knows what's, you know, what we're going to discover, but we will discover it. And oftentimes when you said you joke and make humor, I'm the same way. I'll joke and goof around about something. And all of a sudden, out of the out of the nuances and the essence of the joke becomes a reality. So I what your joke is going to become a reality. I predict that uh, nothing, nothing would make me happier, you know, and, and, and who knows, maybe we'll see it come out of Israel. They always seem to be two steps ahead of everybody in their medical applications of, of, of CBD. But wherever it comes from, uh, yeah, that would be a wonderful thing. And uh, boy, talk about uh, you know, killing two birds at one time, get rid of the coronavirus and, and, and push the cannabis market through the roof. Well, you know, one of the things I was thinking about, um, think, just thinking about this in general, you know, you get a cold, right? The cold is a, a pneumonia. That's one of the precursors or the, or the death knoll to getting coronavirus if you have pneumonia or chest problems beforehand. And then I started thinking about Woodstock. <laughs> Woodstock was a bunch of young kids in the rain. In the freeze, in the cold rain, and everyone, nobody got sick. Do you ever hear of a flu epidemic or pneumonia from Woodstock? No, because everybody was smoking. So I'm thinking everyone was smoking pot. It had to be uh, an immune booster of some kind or relax or do something because I never heard of all the stories of Woodstock. No one got pneumonia. No one got the flu. Nobody got sick. And they were playing in the rain. <laughs> you know, the worst conditions to, to catch a cold. Well, I think um, some people did. Some, some people did get pregnant at Woodstock, though. <laughs> well, that's your stress relief. I was just joking with Cassie, you know, who's who set this thing up, and because Cassie is gorgeous, she looks like an angel on earth. Okay, and and I saw Facebook because everywhere we're all home sequestering, right, and uh, or home quarantine. 
So I said, Cassie, just put a picture of yourself and say, who wants to home quarantine with me? And you get a million cute looking guys. So in Woodstock, you just reminded me that when you said Woodstock, they had babies. But, um, you know, um, the, the, you know, back in those days, it's sort of like now who you who are you going to be stuck at home with? You know, a good looking guy, a good looking woman. You know, so there is some jokes and some funny parts to this whole thing. And 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 it's amazing that we can actually make jokes in such a horrible situation it is a horrible situation nobody wants to downplay how horrible it is but it's amazing of the resiliency or the humor that americans like like the one i liked the most was the millennials said um this is the baby boomer buster you know like all the baby boomers because we're old are going to die and so the response was so what are you going to do move from the basement up to the up to the second floor well i think there might be a a baby boom nine months from now oh you're right let me tell you this, guys. My wife is a certified lactation consultant, and she deals with mothers and newborns, and they monitor these things. And it's not uncommon after a big snowstorm where people are locked up for a week, a two weeks, nine months later, boom. And they're already talking about it. They're already projecting out the nine months and wondering what it's going to be like for their business when we reach that point in time. So, yeah, that's, there's no doubt about it. We'll, I think we'll see that, too. Hey, Bruce, something else I wanted to ask you really fast. Right before we started – uh, you and I were, were briefly talking about some feelings you have about how the stimulus bill that uh, Congress is, is, is working on right now can help out the hemp industry. Do you have any thoughts on that you could share with us? Absolutely. Okay, there's a part of the stimulus bill that says that you that, that there's a big chunk of it. I forgot how many millions, um, but it was a lot, that, that, that anybody who is growing hemp can get a loan or any business, any hemp business can get a loan. Now, we're doing um, – and we're on top of that completely as a company i've emailed every one of my top people in my company about 50 of them you know and because i want them to be familiar at least with the language even though they may not be responsible for getting the loans but the sba will give up to 10 million dollars for a loan and hemp qualifies we all qualify from our stores to our farms to everything medical marijuana doesn't because it's not federally legal but we can. We are federal legal. We can get federal crop insurance. We 100% qualify for that. And everybody who is listening to this iPad, you need to investigate it because that money is there for you. And, and, and I would love to see our industry get a big chunk of it because I think our industry is one of the most important industries on the planet right now. Yes, I, I have some news on that. We have been studying that um, this week and you know, the news changes every day. We're of the same opinion that cannabis uh, will not qualify through SBA loans because it is federally illegal, but hemp, since it's not illegal, uh, is open to these SBA loans. Now, that said, and we agree on that, there is a small provision that I believe at this point in time does apply to the cannabis industry, which is that you can defer the employer portion of the Social Security match on your payroll. And this month of April 2020, uh, we should have new forms 941. That's where you report your payroll and taxes withheld to the federal government that you should the cannabis industry should qualify to defer the employer portion of Social Security and pay it back in 2021 or 2022, or it could even be forgiven. So that's a little bit of a news update from our point of view here at Bridge West. That's a great, great, great update. Uh, I love that. Where, 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 do, where does the cannabis industry go to find that, what you just said? Is there a website or something? Yes, they can visit the Bridge West website. 
uh, www.bridgewestcpas.com. We've got a lot of information on there for our 400 plus cannabis clients. And uh, just briefly on me, Bruce, I've been a CPA in Colorado since 1983, and I started my own business in 1985, um, mainly because I didn't want to get drug tested. And uh, I've developed a very nice CPA firm here in Colorado. I got to see the Grateful Dead. We're going to switch over to music here in a minute. But I got to see the Grateful Dead a whole bunch of times at Red Rocks here in Colorado. Oh, God, you're so lucky. That, that place is gorgeous, and the Grateful Dead is awesome, or was awesome. It still is awesome without you, without Jerry. What's your experience with the Grateful Dead? You were doing all that smuggling into the Bay Area. You must have been connected with the Grateful Dead family somehow. Not really, a little bit. I mean, one, the original Grateful Dead manager um, was a guy named, he became a, a Sikh, and his name is Satsan Tok. I don't know what his original name is. So that was one. But I'll, I'll tell you a story, Grateful Dead story. I was in Colorado, and I was with um, the, the woman I met in prison, who was in prison for being a Russian spy, by the way. And I ended up marrying a Russian spy. Okay. Number one, watch 60 Minutes in the History of 60 Minutes, another little tidbit about my unique group of characters I hang out with. And uh, and in fact, I'm with her now in the home quarantine thing. Anyways, we were out in Colorado and there's a dead, Grateful Dead concert and we were in a motorhome and we laid out and we were with this, uh, I don't want to, he was a religious, he was a minister. Right? And we laid out a banquet of food on our table. I mean, we had smoked turkey legs. We had chocolates because she's Russian, so she likes chocolates and all this food laid out. And a couple of the Grateful Dead, like four or six of them, uh, people that are deadheads, came up and said, we're hungry. Can we have some food? And we were in the, the, the I think we were in the, our, our excursion. It wasn't a motorhome then. Um, and we were there and we didn't hear the conversation. And the guy said, no, we don't have any food. And Lana Svetlana came back and said, what did they want? They said they wanted food. And she goes, oh, my God. She ran after him, grabbed him, brought him back and said, you take anything you want. I mean, and this has, and she just fed them like they were like amazed at all the food they got. And that's a Russian thing, you know, to feed people. So that's been my experience with the Grateful Dead. I've never actually got, was lucky enough to go to see them. Although here's another tidbit. Out of my Eco Village, Veteran Village Kins community, I have the original Grateful Dead touring bus. I bought it from the, uh, a guy named called the Mighty Quinn. Remember the song, The Mighty Quinn? I bought a log cabin, and I own the original Grateful Dead tour bus. And out in the Eco Village, the Veteran Village Kins community, where we're having the Hemiclown, we are restoring that. And we're going to put that over by the kids' section so the kids can go and walk in and tour it. Oh, my God. That's awesome. So, 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 if you want to come see the original Grateful Dead touring bus and be in a safe haven for, um, you know, you know, in the middle of like we have 500 acres and we have another 4,000 around the mountain and another 4,000 that we can buy right next door, and you're, you're in thousands of acres of nothing but sunshine and fresh air with the original Grateful Dead tour bus there on location. Now, where in Arizona are you? About 20 miles north of Kingman. If you were if you were driving from Las Vegas, you would go over the dam and then go south. So it's uh, but Kingman, you know, Kingman, Arizona, is we're 20, 25 miles, and we're literally in the middle of the desert. I've got seven geodesic domes up there now. That's the holistic healing and learning center portion for the veterans, and you can go see it. We have live streaming video out there. We have Wi-Fi out there. You can go to Hemp Inc. Hit locations. Look for Arizona. 
and click on there and you'll see the cameras panning and tilting all around the, the, the eco village. Uh, you won't see the Grateful Dead bus yet, but you, I guarantee you, you will, because we're put, we, we're going to have a total of 64 cameras up there right now. We've got, I don't know how many, you know, I just look at the one that pans and tilts and shows the domes. Cause I think that's a cool shot. You know? Well, very good. Yes. I look forward to visiting you out there sometime. It sounds very interesting. You know, we're doing, as I said, a lot of work with CBD and hemp here in Colorado. We're working on uh, sending extracted CBD oil. That's what we call tea free, uh, THC free. And we're working on a program to ship that to the United Kingdom in London. Well, you know, that's a, that's a product I'd love to carry in the King of Hemp store. Uh, we're going to be, we're growing CBD out there now. I mean, if you go again, if you go to my Facebook page, you can scroll down, you'll see the domes and we've got all the, the starts. We can't really plant outside until, um, really around 420. You know, that, that's still, that number still sticks with, you know, with the first day of the planting season. It's pretty, pretty close to here. And we're going to be growing mostly CBGs this year. Although right now we have all, no, we have both. We have CBD and CBG. And I love to have you come visit because you'll, it's very unique. This is a very unique place. It's different. There's nothing like it in America that I'm aware of. I mean, how many people have seven geodesic domes built on the flower of life pattern? Right. We did all feng shui out there. We're going to have ponds, you know, with millions of gallons of water. That if it gets too hot, you can jump in there. And I'm going to put saunas out there because I hear, although that 133 degrees will kill the virus. So just in case, you know, the only way to get to 130 degrees is a sauna. That I'm, you know, hot tubs don't get that hot. So we'll have saunas out there, and and we'll be very, you know, and it's a healing center. We got stuff that low light lasers from Russia, rife machines, things that people barely heard about. Wow. Well, Bruce, I have to say that this has been fascinating, and and what I like about this, especially in what you're doing, is is the the foresight you're showing and the you know jumping ahead of the curve and I know from our talk at the beginning that you have some familiarity with the Hoban Law Group, but, you know, Bob Hoban has been, you know, one of the leaders uh, for the last couple of years and not just focusing on hemp, but focusing it like you talk about on all the commercial and corporate opportunities that are available for all of the myriad of, of, of products uh, that can be taken out of the hemp plant. And we're just beginning to learn what some of and all of them are. And he paints a similar picture that you do, that that what we're going to see very soon is, a, is an industry where hemp really overshadows marijuana. Not that marijuana still won't be fun and necessary and great for the people who like it, but it, it doesn't have all of the uh, um, availability that hemp has. Um, and so, you know, we at the Hoban Law Group have been pushing it very hard. Uh, Jim mentioned David Bush, who's been very key in all of that. Garrett Graff, Patrick Goggin, uh, Matthew Smith. We have some really, really top flight hemp attorneys. And uh, what I like is, you know, it's one thing for a bunch of lawyers to sit around and start, you know, talking about what they think is going to happen. It's another thing when we get to talk to somebody who's actually out there in the field and they're agreeing with us that, you know, that, that, that makes us feel better. And, uh, we're very excited to hear about it. And, um, what you're doing is certainly fascinating stuff. Yeah. Well, without a doubt, Bob Holvin is one of the smartest guys in the industry and all the lawyers around him are incredibly brilliant. You know, I mean, I just have a, a ton of admiration for that law firm. I agree with that. I've worked with them many times. You know, I, I signed my first cannabis tax return 11 years ago in 2009, 
And one of the first people I met as I started working with the cannabis industry was Bob Hoban. Yeah, yeah, my son. He works. He talks with my son a lot. My son, which is nice to have two generations in the same industry. And and Aubrey uh, talks with Bob a lot. You know, the, you know. Unfortunately, I can't hire Bob because he was representing somebody that we were going to sue and said he was his attorney. So it was a conflict of interest. But that's but that's not diminish my admiration and uh for him and his co- whole company and he and, and he talks to my other good friends <laughs> well i think we're coming towards the end of our time slot so as we come to the end of our we just about you know 30 minutes or so on these podcasts does anybody have anything else i want to add uh before we go no i think that this has all been great bruce i love what you have to say about it um we'll talk with our producer dan after the show um, but, you know, if you can send us links and things like that, we'll post it for all of our listeners to be able to go and check out and, and learn more about, you know, who you are and what you're doing. And, you know, for God's sakes, you have an interesting enough path that that ought to pull people in just to read about that. So, uh, you know, any way we can help you guys, uh, we're always happy to do. And Yeah, Cassie can send you all the links because there's so many websites of so many different things that we're doing. You know, you know like they're doing a movie on my life. Uh, and, and And so that's a website. Um, you know, that's the old stuff, the, the new stuff, you know, about where we built the plant in North Carolina, the veteran village kids community to the, the, the store. She can send you all those the different links. Cause there's quite a few of them. Great. Excellent. Very good. We'll reach out to that, but otherwise, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. This has been enlightening and interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much. And hopefully you'll be able to, um, hook up with me through the bridge West website. I'd like to talk to you more. So, Okay, everybody, this is Jim Marty now signing over and out for the Deadhead Cannabis Show. Thank you all for listening today. Thank you to our guest, Bruce, and his uh, uh, wonderful uh, stories about hemp and what he's doing. Jim, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and everyone stay healthy, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.